Job ready? Employer says yes. This programme is presented by Eduvate, education and innovation. I'm Jonathan Brill. In today's programme, we'll be talking about social mobility. That's whether you can get on whatever your background. I'm conducting an interview with Robin Huggins of MBN Recruitment Solutions. Really interesting company. They're innovative in recruiting people to the IT industry. And finally, a story about attitudes to work, featuring your favourite redhead, Prince Harry. Young people are deeply pessimistic about their ability to get on in Britain's us-and-them society, says social mobility czar Alan Milburn. Mr Milburn heads the commission that monitors progress towards improving social mobility, and he says increasingly young people feel like they are on the wrong side of a profound unfairness. They're particularly worried about their finances, job security and housing prospects. Some 51% of the 18 to 24-year-olds polled said they thought where people ended up was determined by their background and who their parents were. And interestingly, 47% said they were better off financially than their parents. However, just a fifth of 18 to 24-year-olds believed they had a better level of job security than their parents. Half of the young people think the situation is getting worse. Their evidence, according to Milburn, is that the feelings of pessimism young people are expressing are borne out by the facts they are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. In the bigger picture too, home ownership is in sharp decline among the young. Mr Milburn warned Britain's deep social mobility problem for this generation of young people in particular is getting worse, not better. One union of academics described the poll results as depressing. Wow, takes an academic to spot that. And said young people had seen their pay fall, their jobs market remain incredibly difficult, tuition fees rocket and support to stay on at college disappear. So Peter Lample, chair of the Sutton Trust charity which promotes social mobility, said the Commission's barometer should be a wake-up call for policymakers. Political rhetoric needs to be translated into real policies to level the playing field and improve opportunities for young people, particularly for those from the most disadvantaged families. Whether or not Sir Pete meant to be political... Still sounds like a lot of rhetoric to me. And now I caught up with Robin Huggins of MBN Recruitment Solutions in Scotland's largest city, Glasgow. Hello, I'm in the centre of Glasgow today and I'm talking to Robin Huggins from the NBN agency. Robin, good afternoon. Good afternoon. NBN Solutions is a recruitment consultancy broadly in the technical sector, but it's not just any old recruitment agency. Tell me what it does. What it does is address the needs of a very fast-moving and challenging 
um, sector, that of, of technology, data and digital. Um, and what we do is look at a number of different measures, both traditional, non-traditional, to make sure that we can deliver to our clients what they need and when they need it. Um, typically, we would be regarded as a disruptor. So traditional and non-traditional, how would you, how would you categorise these two? The traditional routes to market for a recruitment service provider would be to, to work with a client, understand the brief, then take that brief to the market, usually in the form of um, adverts that could be on, on, on online or offline channels, right. and then dialogues with candidates who had previously registered interest with the database. Now, in the sectors that, that we operate within, um, those measures often don't find new skill sets, new types of approach, new candidates, and particularly when there's an overall shortage of talent in this space, you have to come up with something a little bit more innovative to make sure that you can find the people when you need to find them for your clients. Okay, let's hang on to that. So a shortage of talent in this space. People who are listening to this are about to consider whether they want to go in a, to a career in possibly recruitment, more likely into the technology area. If they were thinking about a career in this area, what skills should they be developing? I would say that the skills required largely would fall into three main categories. Firstly, there's an obvious need for mathematical, arithmetical, um, scientific skills, the ability to understand what numbers mean and how numbers work with each other. Secondly, and perhaps of equal importance, is the ability to, to solve problems. So we're looking typically here at the kind of people who might enjoy a Sudoku puzzle from time to time or who enjoy puzzles or, or working out, you know, the old kind of a, you know, a farmer has X amount of cows in a field, how does he get them to the other side of the field using this type of route? And then finally, we need communication skills. The ability to, to solve that problem and then perhaps tell someone else how the problem was solved because you might be dealing with somebody you might find solving the problem easy, but somebody else might not find it easy, so you might need to explain it to them. So we're looking broadly at the, the mathematical skills, the problem-solving ability, and the ability to communicate to people who don't get the stuff that you get. These three are often not contained in the same uh, area, so the mass people sometimes, perhaps stereotypically, go up a non-communicative area. If a student has got their leaving certificate, whatever country, in Scotland it's high, as English it's A-levels, different in the US, should they go to university or should they get a job in technology? Both routes are valid. Both routes are almost equally as valid. Um, for some role types and disciplines, yes, it could be argued that a university education would be more beneficial. But we are seeing, with the skill shortage, we are seeing more and more organisations having quite an open view on that. So therefore, I know that recently the government have introduced the Graduate Apprenticeship Scheme, which feeds from the Modern Apprenticeship Scheme, which means that more and more people who are maybe leaving the school stream and for one reason or another don't think university is for them, then there are more and more avenues open if you're interested in the kind of subjects that we're talking about. Interestingly, it's the same in England and the same in the US, that an apprenticeship is almost whatever you want it to mean, mm -hmm. provided that there's money going in. So that's very valid uh, advice because we are concerned, Educate, 
that there is nowhere else really to go for this sort of advice that's actually authoritative. So having made a decision, university, college, one route, or going into a company, another route, would they be looking forward to staying in one company, to being loyal to that company, or should they be expecting uh, not a job for life, but a life full of jobs? A life full of jobs is a very good way of thinking about this. That the idea that even the generation before mine had about um, staying with organisations for long periods of time, it's became almost um, firstly detrimental to an individual's career options, but secondly, from an organisational perspective, companies don't mind when people move around every couple of years. It gives them an opportunity to get some new fresh ideas in in the form of replacement people. It gives organisations an opportunity to, to scale up or scale down. So I would be advising anybody coming into a work stream now to think of each job as a finite project, two to three years in duration, get what you need from it for your own career aspirations, then don't have any issue or any problem whatsoever with considering moving on. Now, obviously, as a professional recruiter, it's in my vested interest when people move on. I was coming to that, yes. <laughs> if you look at the career pattern of most of the, the leading lights in the technology space in Scotland, you won't find very many one-company individuals there. You'll find individuals who, in the early part of their careers, have maybe moved around four, five, six different companies for a couple of years at a time, accruing the skill set that they know they're going to need in later life. And then that stability often comes when... Other pressures from life come in. You know, you might get married, you might be looking to buy a home, you might be looking mm -hmm. to settle down. Well, at that point, yes, you may extend your tenure. I know I've done it myself. I mean, mm -hmm. I've been seven years here and five years at the company before. But when I first entered into the space, no, two years is fine, two and a half years, three years. Go where the opportunity is and don't be tied to any individual company. So, you recruit people, that's your job. And many of the people that are now coming into early jobs are from Generation Z. That's people who have never known life without the internet. You'll also be working with millennials who are, let's say, a slightly softer version of that, but nonetheless, they have the same traits. That generation, Generation Z, is reputedly non-communicative. Is that your experience? No, I have found... Um Generation Z, if you like, to be equally as communicative as, as, as any other generation, and I include my own. The secret that I have found is, is to find the right chord. When you find a topic of interest or a topic that they're passionate about, they will sing and they will keep talking, and you can see the light in their eyes. I think that it's easy for older generations to be um, not dismissive, but, but to have a barrier up because fundamentally they see younger generations as a threat, whereas I see a younger generation as an opportunity. And if you embrace that attitude, I think you'll find that everybody has passion, everybody has creativity, and everybody has a, a, a communication that they want to extol to other people. Mm -hmm. I, just, I, don't, I don't agree with um, blanket generalizations, to be frank. Can I then give you another blanket generalization? Uh, what's the best thing about Generation Z coming through? What's their best feature, their best skill? Enthusiasm. They have a 
I found um, in my interactions very recently with, with younger people um, that they have a, a genuine desire and an enthusiasm to, to make a difference. Um, that you know they don't have the cynicism that's associated with age. <laughs> they have a burning desire and an enthusiasm and a, and a will, and I think that's fantastic. Do you find that enthusiasm is is a will to do things right? Uh, because again, there's a there's a criticism that yeah, they're enthusiastic and passionate, but in the work life balance, they tend to choose life. I think it's a, a passion to do things. I don't necessarily know if it's to do things right. I think in order to do things right, you've maybe got to do a few things wrong first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know before I, um, you know, before I consider my life to be right, I know that I made a few wrong choices when I was younger. Well, that's what being young is all about. Mm-hmm. It's about falling down, realizing where you went wrong, picking yourself back up and going again. And with regards to work-life balance, again, I come back to this idea about passion. Um, I know countless young people who have got a very strong work ethic because they found something they loved. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing something that you love and that you enjoy, there aren't enough hours in the day. You don't want to be sitting about doing nothing because you've got great things to interest you and occupy your time. So let's think about the work ethic and... We also think in terms of the dignity of human beings being able to work. And that's uh, very important and has been recognised as such down the ages and most recently in a survey which said what most people around the world want is a good job. It's a job, So, the onward march of the pesky robots Mm -hmm. affecting jobs. Lord Young of Cookham, no less, said last week, we shouldn't be worried about... These robots, they'll only take the most miserable jobs. Is that what you think? No, no, I don't agree with that at all. I think that um, robotics, artificial intelligence, call it what you will, I think we've had examples of that being utilised in almost every industry sector where there is a commercial need for it. So where, for example, you have you know, a huge data set that's going to change constantly, then introducing some element of machine learning to your process is a sensible idea. Um, I think that we will, as, as humans have always done, we will find ways for machine to replace man across all industry sectors and through a variety of different work types and organisation sizes. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, um, it's man who builds the robot, it's man who controls the robot, and it's man who sets the robot to task. And I think we're always going to have room for bright, creative, driven, motivated people, um, even if it's just to keep an eye on the robots. But there are some white-collar jobs which are going to be directly affected. Yeah, but that's happened since you know the uh, agricultural revolution. Mm-hmm. It's always happened. Mm-hmm. Um, white-collar jobs that will be affected by this would be, to my mind, in the same way that blue-collar jobs have been affected in the past. It's it's the inexorable march of progress. We can't stop it, we can't halt it, we just need to learn to harness it. And and most bright people who have an ambition or a desire to make a little bit of a difference, they'll work with the tools at their disposal and they will find a way. Do you think there'll be a robot recruitment agency? I wouldn't say say never, you never know. Um, No, I I think a lot of what 
the skill is in our job is is about um, personal interactions. It's mm-hmm. about reading. It's about feel. Um, I know, having we've done a bit of work in the past with IBM. I know about the capabilities of Watson. I don't know whether you know you could put a, a shirt and a tie on Watson and he could turn into a recruiter. I don't know because I think that there is a hugely personal element to the work that we do. We use very advanced technology. I mean, we use very sophisticated databases. We use highly sophisticated software. But at the end of the day, it's a human operator who tells that software where to point and what to find. And I don't think in recruitment you could ever replace that. I mean, fundamentally, recruitment is part of human resources. And it's not robot resources yet. I still think that that human element will be a huge part of this industry for years to come. So... Winding up this podcast, all our listeners wouldn't mind some really expert tips from a leading recruitment consultant. So what are the mistakes most commonly that young people make at interview? A lack of preparation and research. The singular biggest reason for people not to get a job um, by failing the interview, if you like, is not to have articulated the background knowledge, the understanding of, and the interest in a particular company and a particular job. So if you've got an interview in the morning, what you should be doing tonight is looking at as much information as you can on the company, why you would want to work there, what you think you would be good at if you got the job. That's uh, terrific advice. And to impress, what is the thing the person should most do at interview? Be quite willing and able to communicate their passion. If you allow your passion to show through and if you allow your obvious interest for the job and the areas that the job covers, then you will put yourself above the other interviewees because you can articulate this real love, desire, passion. And that's what employers are looking for. Thank you so much. I've been talking to Robin Huggins at MBN Solutions. I'm in a city called Glasgow where it says... Glasgow makes people. We're certainly in an agency which contributes to that. Robin, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, you're welcome. And now, a story about attitudes to work. It comes accompanied with a health warning. I'm going to try and sing. And we'll never be royals, sang Lord, in a deeply political song, highlighting us and them, making do and excessive wealth. Well, now Prince Harry, that's a red-haired one, has said, we don't mind being royals, but we don't want the top job, being a king or a queen. Oh, we'll do it if we must, sense of duty and all that. But if it was up to us... So it's nice to be able to say that. must be tough. Being a royal, don't expect instant sympathy, guys. Don't want the top job. But that's the prerogative of the super-rich, surely. Well, no, actually. It's true that most young people can't afford to be so picky, but doctors, not super-wealthy but comfortably off, don't fancy the stress. In a recent survey in the UK, only one-third of those surveyed plan to work full-time immediately after qualifying. And teachers, notoriously underpaid, often don't fancy the top jobs, being head teachers. School governors often can't recruit head teachers in challenging areas. Who wants that job, man? 
The stress is unbelievable. So, what has changed amongst younger people? It's easy to say it's the work ethic. Young people just don't have it. Not like us older folks, strong sense of duty. Others say it's actually wanting to make important decisions when they're not clapped out with sleep deprivation. My pupils will suffer if I don't get my sleep. I may kill patients if I'm all stressed out. Me, hate to say it, but I've seen it before. It's a sort of pendulum. Historically, the hippies in the 60s despised work. Cool in the caftan, love and peace, man. But by the 80s, it was total reverse. Money, 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 Wall Street, and then more money. Robots, longer lifespans, are going to have a bearing on the future of work, probably more than social attitudes affecting I want to do this or I want to do that just at the moment. So too will the rising population and the median age in the world, which is 30 years old. But for now, we'll never be royals. It don't run in our blood. That kind of lux just ain't for us. And here's a special treat for our listeners. I'm going to give you an access code which will let you look at all of the wonderful online catalogue available on Eduvate. So just go to eduvate.biz forward slash access code and enter the code JOBREADY. JOBREADY. Employer says yes. Yes. 